Welcome to Five to Thrive, five strategies to equip and empower educators, parents, and students to thrive. And here are your hosts, Dr. Rhoda and Professor Marty. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about a topic that few people really enjoy talking about, <laughs> uh, especially if you're a parent, because quite frankly, it, it's uncomfortable. Uh, we're worried about what to say, how to say, when to say, yeah, are, are we uh, approaching it the right right way? And especially during adolescence, because in a few short years, they're, they're adults and uh, they're chasing after their own dreams. So in today's episode, it's all about teens and it's all about relationships and it's about that word that is uh, really brings up more questions than answers, dating. So dating among <laughs> teens, teens, Dr. Rhoda, please help us out here. Today is our final series uh, in, a, in a four podcast series uh, on the teen brain. And we're, as you said, we're going to be discussing relationships and dating. So we've previous, previously discussed better understanding our teens. We've talked about what's going on with their emotions. We've talked about what's going on in their brain. We've talked about their identity development during this time. And relationships and dating are going to pull from all three of these because all, all of these things impact what's going on right now with their desire for relationships and dating. So we've learned that the brain is not yet fully developed till they're around 25, 26, 27. The last part of the brain to fully develop is that prefrontal cortex. Just a reminder, that's that area behind the forehead and that's responsible for decision making, for critical thinking, for thinking through the consequences of their actions. We've discussed how their body is being flooded with new hormones at extremely high levels. And this can cause them to feel like they're on an emotional roller coaster as they're experiencing feelings that they've just never felt before and they're trying to figure out how to deal with that. We've discussed how this stage is the time when God has designed them to go through things that will take them from being completely dependent on their family for support and security to being an independent, self-sufficient adult who can form their own family unit potentially. It's a time to learn about independence and self-sufficiency and they often count on their friends to help them through this stage. And that's one of the reasons why relationships and friendships are so important during this teenage time. So humans need other humans. It is how God designed us. We are interconnected. And as they are trying to rely less on their family and they want to become their own person, an adult, they still feel the need to feel connected. And friends and dating oftentimes help them feel the sense of connection that they're looking for. But for parents, it's kind of like a totter toddler letting go of mom's hand as she's learning to walk or letting go of dad's hand as he's learning to walk uh, it's a bit uncomfortable it's completely normal to be able to move on to the next phase in life but transitions aren't always comfortable that, that's a great analogy and i can think of our kids you know letting go of their hand and you're going oh they're going to fall down and, and, and they make it right yep. over time they make it and then the confidence builds and uh Really exciting times. And if we can have that same attitude for, for teenagers, oh, they're going to fall down. Oh, they're going to make mistakes, but they'll make it. We just, we know that, okay? So they're beginning to explore their identity through their friends. They're experiencing emotions where they long to bond with friends. And their brains are not always the best at making decisions during this time. Okay, so you know, I'm just, just going to interject in humor here. You know, Dr. Rota always reminds us that the prefrontal cortex, <laughs> mine is still not fully developed, but doesn't <laughs> isn't fully developed until, uh, you know, the, the mid-20s. And that is so true. Uh, you know, I have another one uh, taking driver's ed, and it is just a reality. It, it, it's, it's not wrong or right. It's just awareness that... Um, 
their thought process and how they react um, is different. Ideally, the age of 15, 16 is not the ideal time to hand over the keys to the car to a young person just on brain development. There's some research out there that suggests a 12-year-old would be making better decisions, and we definitely know a 24, 25-year-old would be making better decisions, but... That's a whole other podcast. Boy, that, I could really take, that's interesting because maybe my younger son does drive the riding lawn more safer than my, yeah, anyways, all right. Yeah. So with all this going on, as the adults in their life, what do we do? Now, we could do ones aimed primarily at, at teachers and educators during this time frame, but today I'm really going to work on, talk to parents about this, okay, because with the relationships, dating, sometimes, you know, that's just, it's a little bit different twist on if you're an educator or a parent, but you can apply. Uh, so as your child has been growing up, you've been helping him or her understand what their true identity is, that it comes from God and how he made them. And he made them perfect. He knit them together in, in their mom's womb. They're made for his purpose, his design. And on that last day, what's the last part of their identity that truly, truly matters? It's who they are in Jesus. That's the only thing that's going to matter out of our identity when we take our last breath. And when you've just raised your young child believing that, they just that they trust that that becomes a part of who they are and they feel the sense of confidence and peace and security in that. And as your child has been growing up, you've been demonstrating for them that you love them unconditionally and that you are a safe and secure space for them. You've demonstrated that you're not going to solve their problems for them because we know that kids need kid-sized mistakes in order to learn how to solve problems. But as you've helped them walk, you've walked with them as they've fallen down and figured out how to get back up and solve their own problems, they've learned that you can be there for them, that, that, that they can trust you. Uh, you've been helping them explore their gifts and talents and how they can use them in a productive way. You've been helping them develop their prefrontal cortex by giving them two choices that are both acceptable to you and then letting them choose what they want but then live with the consequences of their choices. And this has helped them to develop their prefrontal cortex, and it's taught them how to be better decision makers. So you've been leading up to this with your solid, loving parenting all of these years. So now what do you do? They're starting to be able to care more for themselves. They're more able to have their own friends, and you won't always know where they are, who they're with, what they're doing, where they're going. Uh, they're, they're getting independent. They're beginning to date. So how do we best support them through this time? When it comes to friends, I'm a firm believer in getting to know your kids' friends. And the best way to do this, in my opinion, is by being the place where kids feel comfortable hanging out. If your house can be that space where they can have their own time, you're not going to be like hovering over them and taking part in all their conversations and talking about when you were their age. You're not there to be a member of their friends, but you provide a space for them to hang out and you're a trusting, safe, secure adult as they do that. And I think that's really so, so important. Uh, you know, my wife Diane and I have had conversations, even set up with the house, what's yeah. conducive, how can we be there? but yet be removed and, yeah. and we're really blessed to have a backyard where where teenagers can play have a bonfire and yet it's still you know they're doing what they want to do but yet there's still that parent presence just knowing that mom or dad is somewhere which is really you know keeps keeps things in line as well exactly when the kids want to go to a movie when the kids want to go roller skate whatever they want to go do be that parent 
from a younger age who's always willing to drive them and get to know them and you know don't necessarily interject your opinions into all their conversations in the car listen to their conversations find out which friends you really respect and which friends have similar values and and have pretty have exhibited pretty good decision making find out which ones you're a little bit more concerned about and this is the really big reason you know when your kids are at your house you know who they're hanging out with what they're doing you can get to know their friends as you start lifting the filter and letting them have more decisions, they're going to want to be with their friends. Um, encourage them to hang out with the friends that seem to be a good influence on them. The ones who aren't a good influence, by hanging around your house, you can be a good influence on those kids and try to help them see this is why we treat people this, is this way. This is why we make these types of decisions. You could be that very powerful person for another kid who might be going down the wrong road. You could be that trusting adult that's there for them, that hears them, that listens to them, that gets to know them, and maybe help them become a better friend to your son or daughter. Um, but here's another point. What do you do if you just, you don't care for somebody that your child is hanging out with? You know, this is a tough one because as they're getting more independent, you know, in a couple of years as adults, you're, gonna, you're not even gonna know who they're hanging out with. And so you're trying to teach them how to be good judge, judges of character. If you just tell them, I don't want you hanging out with that kid, that kid is bad news, you can't hang out with them, they'll figure out a way to. You know, when they're not in earshot of you, when they're not in sight of you, they will be connecting with that kid. So how do you help them learn how to develop character, trust character, judge character? So instead of saying, I don't like that kid, what if you said, what are your thoughts on fill in the blank? What do you think, what have you seen that makes you think, you know, wow, I really enjoy spending time with this person. Do you have any red flags? And discuss instead of telling them what they should think kind of lead them through your thought process you somehow when you were their age you probably weren't the best judge of character all the time either how did you develop that through experience so here again we lend young young people our prefrontal cortex we don't do it for them but we walk with them we help them think through the consequences of their actions so you've got this person who's not always the most responsible what happens when you get in a car with that person if they've shown you that they're not really good at, they're really impulsive and not good at making decision making decision making what could possibly happen what could be the consequences for you if you're in a bad accident are you still going to be able to start on the varsity team are you still going to be you know help them like think through what could possibly happen and make it real so that they can see oh yeah I, I, that does I do need to be aware of that. that that's really important because oftentimes they don't know what to think and by you asking the question they take a step back and we just had this conversation yesterday with, with 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 an outing to say okay well what do you want to get out of this yeah and uh you know this individual um when they you know what do you think some things they're going to do when they're okay well like how are you going to react to that the the other thing uh dr rota that that if i may just interject is sometimes if the friend is just really questionable what what i try to do is then have that be a group outing mm -hmm. with other friends, yes. knowing that I can appropriately have the chemistry there that minimizes the impact. Yeah. And it, typically that other friend then, eh, I'm not so sure I want to come because yeah. then I can't. Yeah, but yeah. Lot, lots of variables involved. Or just, Having the conversation, yeah, you're, you're, right? Yeah, and you're kind of setting up to have more positive peer pressure so that if they do decide to, someone decides to make a poor decision, the others can try to, you know, well, the rest of us are going to do this, and hopefully that person will come with them. And, and on that note, just having set some clear 
guidelines, boundaries, so that when they are at your house, they know, I mean, your, your, your son or your daughter knows if this action takes place, this is how you're going to address it, regardless of if they're your best friend, your worst friend, or whoever. So Right, yeah. and, and helping your children understand there are consequences for their actions yep. at your house. Right now, we have this very free, you know, fun place to be. You guys can do what you want, but if things start going south, this is a choice you guys are making, and there will be consequences for that. And help, help them understand that, because they're just not thinking about it. They're just thinking about what's the most fun I can have in the next 10 minutes. Uh, so that's, that's when it comes to friends. When it comes to dating... Um, similar, but a little bit different. So again, we want to be able to have open and honest conversations with our kids. If they know they can tell you things, if they know they can share things with you and you won't judge them, you're not going to hate them. You're not going to think they're horrible. You're going to, you know, they're going to be more open to talk with you. Let them know what expectations are for dating. What are your expectations? What time will they be home? What are acceptable things to do when you're dating? Again, start out if possible with group dates, go with groups of friends. Here's the tough one, parents dread. Talk about sex with them. Help them understand the gift God has made it to be and what his design is for it. And, and we certainly know it's a gift, but what is so interesting to me is, you know, the way media has portrayed sex, people, I mean, there's a tendency to forget. Now, this was created by God. It is pleasing, done in, in you know, um, yep done a created but see i can't even talk about it so i'm just gonna defer back to you doctor i'll just take it from here that was very cute so so yes absolutely i appreciate what you're saying there the culture is defined by who tells the stories if the only stories your children are hearing is the stories of the media then they're probably going to have a different view about sex and its purpose than what you may have in your family. If we look at scripture in God's plan, sex is a thing that binds two people together, both emotionally and physically, so that they stick together through thick and thin and raise a kid. That's a little simplistic, but basically two people are bound together and they're committed and sex can produce children and they're, they're going to raise those children together. If they're having sex, they need to realize that they may have a child. This is just natural consequences. It's how the world works. Are they ready for that? If they're not, then don't go there. Girls, realize that if you have sex with a guy, your body emits a chemical called oxytocin. And this chemical is designed to physically bond you to that person. It's the same chemical that occurs when a mom breastfeeds her child and it helps the mother and child bond. And men have it too, but women have it in greater levels than men. So. Breaking up is much harder to do when you've built this type of emotional bond with somebody. Help them understand that. Sex is, as you were saying, Professor Murray, it's a beautiful gift that God has given to us. And it's supposed to be a really good thing. It's supposed to be something we really want. That's how God has designed us. But it has a time and a place and a purpose. I think sex can be similar to a narcotic. It has a specific purpose, but when used outside of that purpose, it can be really harmful. So think this through. A narcotic is a wonderful blessing if you're recovering from surgery. It's a wonderful tool to help you in your healing process. But if you start using it for recreational purposes, what it's not intended for, it has detrimental effects and it can have horrible consequences. Sex is the same thing, right? It has a purpose. If you start using it recreationally outside of that purpose, there can be horrible consequences. Value sex for the beautiful gift it's meant to be. Help your children talk about this, discuss about it. It's not this mean, ugly, evil thing. It's designed to bond a husband and a wife together as one flesh and sometimes to create a family unit. 
And if you're not ready for that, you're just not ready for that yet. It doesn't mean you won't be, but you're not quite yet. So how do we have these honest conversations with kids? How do we help them understand what to do at the end of a date when these emotions are running really super high? Do you realize that the brain chemistry of someone who is infatuated is similar to someone who is high on cocaine? It feels great. Your heart rushes when you think of them. Your palms sweat when they walk into the room. You go to sleep thinking about them. You wake up thinking about them. This is the infatuation stage. Typically lasts about two to three months. And then after that stage, you really start to get to know people. And you decide if you really want to, you start seeing their flaws. Okay, you like this about them, but you're not so crazy about this about them. And you start noticing those things. And that's when you get to decide if you really like this person enough to invest time and energy into them to start to grow them unconditionally. I'm going to love you regardless of your flaws. Okay, so about two to three months is where that starts to kick in. Guess what the average length of a teenage romance is? Two to three months. But during those two to three months, we are head over heels for the other and, person. And so would it be safe to say, you know, during those two to three months, like trying to have a, a an objective conversation with an adolescent is, I mean, it's really a struggle because regardless, they're, they're just not hearing it. Right, right. It's kind of like earlier when we were talking about friends, and I meant to meant to say this and it slipped my mind. Um, if you're if there's a friend you're not crazy about, and you want to, or you, even during the sex, you want to have this this talk about sex and love and 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 bonding, and um, don't do this. You know, pick and choose your time wisely. Mm-hmm. Do this at a time when your kid is open and wants to talk about it. If you're talking after you've already had a disagreement or there's tension or the kid is not in the mood, they've got something else on their mind. It's just not going to be productive. So I always, you know, I tell you to have open, honest conversations with your kids, but timing is important. Mm -hmm. Do it when they're up for it. Maybe you, you know, take them out to eat and just say, you know, afterwards you go for a walk. You mind if we have a talk or however you choose to do that, but don't just like walk into their bedroom after they've had a bad day and say, we're going to talk now, (laughs) you know, so be, be mindful of that. And yes, during those first two to three months when they're in that infatuation stage, they're not going to hear a word you say. It's like trying to rationalize with somebody who's high. But that still doesn't mean you don't say it because they do come down. So when we are feeling this way, our prefrontal cortex, the part of our brain where we're making decisions, it just is not working well. So we have to have some procedures in place to guard us when our brain isn't working well. Just like when it comes to conflict. You know, we know there's going to be conflict, so we're going to have procedures or protocol in place for what we're going to do in conflict so that we make good decisions. That's a, a podcast we talked about in the past. Uh, discuss this with your child, your daughter, and your sons. Men, please talk to your boys about this. What are ways you can end a date when you are feeling things both emotionally and physical, physically? What are you going to do so that you don't take it farther than you're ready to go right now? Help them think through what are ways that they can, they don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to lose their dignity. They don't want to feel, you know, awkward and unsure. Well, there's always going to be a little bit of that in the dating process, but but how do you help them think through, okay, my mind's not working clearly. Here's what I'm going to do. You know, here's here's how I'm going to do it. And if and, and just again, a reminder, if you're not ready to, to, to have a baby and raise a baby, what are ways you can end your dates? So discuss this with them. Brainstorm ideas. Help them come up with a plan that they're willing to follow. Pray about it together. There is power in prayer. Pray for them when they're out on dates. Ask them to pray before they go on a date that God would give them wisdom and good decision-making skills. Discuss with your son or daughter if it's important to them that they date someone with the same values and commitments. And and that it is so, so important. 
And I think all of this, one of the key essential ingredients is to have this conversation before they're infatuated. Yes. Before they've gone out on several dates. Before, 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 before. So you've laid the groundwork so they know what their options are. Yeah, and it's po- it's possibly not a one-time conversation. You know how many times I need to be like re-motivated to like eat well or work out? You know, it's, it's an ongoing thing. And so this is just an open conversation that, that you can have in bits and pieces and recurring and over time and you just get comfortable talking about these things. And then it, if that's a comfortable space for you, your kids are going to be more comfortable com- coming and talking to you about it. We know it's not an easy time for parents, but you will get through it. Our parents got through it with us as they raised us through these years. And here's another piece of advice I would just strongly give you. If your parents are still living and you're able, talk to them. Seek your parents' wisdom. I I think that's such a gem, not only for this topic, but, but for so many things in life. We have all of this wisdom that's been bestowed through life experiences on our parents and people who, who, who have seen life more than us, certainly it would make sense to find time to to just graciously learn from them. Yeah, and grandparents, if you're comfortable and have that kind of relationship, built that open, secure, safe space. So my mother recently passed away, but, but prior to that, my nieces would oftentimes come and talk to grandma about boyfriends and relationships and what they were doing. And, and it was almost like a space enough removed yeah that they felt comfortable and as their aunt they would often talk to me about it as well so aunts out there nieces nephews uncles um know that sometimes you're really a safe place for kids to talk about this stuff too and that's the beauty of family and intergenerational that young people have more than one safe secure person that they can go to to talk with but in the end you know our young people will make mistakes they're not perfect we made mistakes too this can be a time of grace this can be a time to help them understand forgiveness that when they mess up, we can help them understand the value of being sorry, realizing that we messed up, asking for forgiveness, and then receiving forgiveness and going on with a, with a pure heart in that. Um, because we're going to continue to need this as adults. We're going to continue to mess up. And this is just, again, another one of those skills that we can learn about grace and mercy and forgiveness. A challenging time, but an important time for such a time as this. It's not serendipitous that your children are in your family. God knew that this was the family unit he was going to have together, that this was the family unit he wanted to help these young people grow up feeling secure and accepted and solid and now be able to to mature and go out and eventually start their own family. So what a beautiful and tremendous blessing that is when we can keep the big picture and the perspective in it all. Our goal in Five to Thrive is to equip and support educators and parents as they help each child develop to his or her full God-given potential. So here are five key takeaways from today's episode on teenagers and dating. Number one, think about how best you can support uh, your child. What this means when it comes to friends is having your presence there, not too close, but but being there. Uh, Number two, uh, what happens if you don't care for a person? Well, have an open conversation with your child, actively listening, uh, asking questions. Number three, uh, so important. Uh, Parents, we need to, and it is our responsibility, to talk about the value of sex with our kids. Uh, Number four, uh, realize with the whole dating process, um, two to three months of infatuation, that's a long time. Be proactive and have these conversations before the dating begins. And number five, 
really, really important. Uh, discuss with your son or daughter uh, values and commitments and how important it is that whoever they're seeing, friends, um, date, that values and commitments uh, are similar. Thanks for taking the time to learn with us. Let us know how you're doing. If you have questions, challenges, or successes you want to share, please let us know through the comment section of our website. May your week be blessed.